Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. This morning, we're very honored to have Bill Wilson with us. Uh, Bill, in 1980, went to Brooklyn, New York City, and started to work to reach children. And uh, he has taken that work now around the world. He's a true apostle in the kingdom of God. He started works all around the world, reaching kids with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a lot I could say about him. We've known each other a long time. I consider him a true friend. You know how you measure a true friend? A friend is there when you need him. A friend is there to check on you, to help you, to support you, to see you through. Bill was coming through uh, in October, actually the Saturday prior to my neck surgery. And he called and said, can we have lunch? So we met him and shared with him what was going to be happening on the next Tuesday. He called me again and again, texted me again and again. It was amazing. It's amazing when someone shows you love and care to that level. And I deeply appreciate it. So right now, just go ahead and let him know he's welcome right here in the house. Would you do that? Well, give the Lord a praise. Come on, give God a praise. That's why we're here. <laughs> Good morning. Good to see you guys. We were trying to figure out how long it was before I was with you guys before. And, uh, and I told Pastor, I said, you know, after you've done this, now, I've been in the ministry for 50 years, 40 of them in Brooklyn. When I travel, I drive the bus in New York. Our Sunday school is six days a week. So my day is Saturday. So I drive the bus Saturday. So every Saturday night, get on a plane, go somewhere to speak. And that's what keeps the mission's wheels turning. So we were joking back there. And uh, <laughs> I said, I remember the really good churches. And I remember the really bad ones. The ones in the middle, nah, I don't really pay attention to it. But just so you guys know, you're in the category of the really good ones. So come on, give God a praise. It's, it's nice to be around nice people. Now, what does that mean? When you live where I live that long, and let's see, I won't bore you with my little biography, but I've been shot twice, I've been stabbed four times, thrown off the building, mm, been in three plane crashes, and I've worked with Christians for 50 years. So I don't know which is to come on, Jesus. I don't know what's been more traumatic. Getting shot in Syria? <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying. You all know exactly what I'm saying. But it's nice to be around nice people. I had my breakfast of champions. I had two Krispy Kreme donuts, so I'm good to go. That's all I need. If I got Krispy Kreme donuts, I'm good for the day. I'm ready to roll. We have, I have one extra one. If you want one, I'll have them at the table. Oh, by the way, I've, had, I've got the antibodies, so don't get nervous. You can, I've had my one shot. I'm getting the second shot next week. I've got the antibodies, um, and actually, I'm selling little vials of blood back there for missions. Come on, Jesus. So if any of you need a little extra antibodies, I got a little zum-zum back there, and you can uh, sort that out. Pastor, thank you for letting me be here. 
You know, a lot of people, a lot of people don't look forward to Sundays. Those of you watching online, I, I almost said just then, if you're online, wave at me. It's just mindset. This last year's just been a, a killer for me. Because some people just like to sit home and I guess, you know, and I get it. I get it. Some are just a little more susceptible to the to the virus. I had it in May. And because I think I'm Superman, so none of that stuff really bothers me. I worked in a COVID hospital. Uh, we were doing food for the doctors and nurses uh, for the night shift. It's right down the street from the church. And so I knew, I knew by faith, I knew I was going to get it. Because, I mean, you're in it. They weren't even allowing, if you guys remember, they weren't even allowing family members to go in to these hospitals. But they asked us to come in. You know, we've been there forever. Prayed with the nurses. I prayed with some of the patients. But I knew. You know, they got you all uh, fixed up with that PPPPPPP stuff. I don't know what it is. It's three Ps, right? Some PP, I don't know. I don't know. And then I get the, the head stuff, and I got booties on, on my feet. Um, it was a mess. So I thought, I'm going to get this thing, and I did. And I'll tell you what, I'm 72 years old. And I thought, oh, great. One more thing to add to my repertoire of all my drama and diseases and everything else in my life. But, you know, you just load up with... What is it, vitamin D? You have vitamin D and zinc? Is that right? Man, zinc. Zinc? Okay. Man, I was, I was pumping that stuff. I was like an addict. I was fooling stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I was going to say I'm fine. I mean, this is as good as it gets for me. So if you're waiting for it to get better, I'm kind of peaking right now. So this is kind of it. But um, I got, like I said, I got the shot, get the next one next week. So, uh, but just you guys coming in, and I feel like, what's the best word to explain it? You know, we do the little welcome home gig thing here. Certain places I go, and not all of you are going to understand this, but certain places I go, you just know that you probably won't ever be back. I know it sounds bad. I know it sounds bad. But you just know you're not. I don't fit everywhere. You know, I'm like an acquired taste. There's some places I go and it just clicks. You know, the people like me, for the most part, I like them. And then there's other places, they look at me. I was, I was in one church and I'm at the back table, right? And this lady comes up and she's just staring at me. You know, giving me the dog look. You know what the dog look is. It's when you're talking to your dog and your dog goes, <laughs> you know what the dog. And she's just looking at me and I said, ma'am, can I help you? And she goes, you're like an alien. Now I've been called a lot of things, especially living in Brooklyn. And I, that's the first time I'd been called that. And I said, what? She said, it's like, it's like you're from another planet. You do all these crazy Things was after the it was right after I got shot by the Russian sniper in Syria, and so she couldn't figure out why I'm still out doing this. And maybe it's not real easy to explain, but just so you know, and all of you watching, I'm a grateful man. 
All of you in the house should be grateful people today. All of you. Come on. Give God a praise for his greatness in your life. Every one of us. Just by the fact that you woke up and you're here today. <laughs> Just by the fact you're here. You are, your socks ought to be going up and down right now. You ought to be so excited. I learned a long time ago. By the fact that I woke up, that means God's not finished with me yet. Does that make sense? God's not done with you. If he was, you'd be out. He's not. That's why we're here today. So, thank you for being nice to me. You're all smiling. and uh, Pastor's wife got me the donuts. So I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm Krispy Kreme happy today. So, hey, I got a couple of things I want to talk to you guys about before I uh, get into the message. Um, it's, it's been a while since I've been here, right? Four years, five years, seven years? Oh my, wow, it's been a long time. But I haven't aged a bit. Shh. Hey, if you guys have never, uh, can you give me a close up, Mr. Cameraman? What's your name? Danny. Danny. All right, Danny, pay attention. Don't make me come out there, all right? <laughs> Give me a close-up, sir, if you will, please. Book Whose Child Is This? That is in 32 languages. It, uh, it's one of those unique books. I reprint probably every four or five years just to keep it updated. It tells how Metro has become the world's largest Sunday school. We're averaging 250,000 kids a week in Sunday school all over the world. It's been an amazing story. This book will make you laugh. It'll make you cry. But more than that, it will force you to make you look at yourself. That's why I put it together. So who has not read this book? You've never read the book. Let me see your hand. Well, that's discouraging. <laughs> Where you guys been? Come on. It's not been that long. All right. Again, who has not read the book? No. Oh, no. Are you guys, do they make you sit on the front row? You just do it because you, oh, you're already getting up. All right. Here we go. Come on. You're welcome. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. All right. Hey, the other, there's a bunch of books out there that I've done. Uh, but the most recent one is this one here. It's called Elephants of Relevance. It's based kind of on the American colloquialism, the thousand pound elephant in the room. You know, it's that thing that's kind of there, but like nobody wants to talk about it. So I'm thinking, I'm going to pick 50 elephants in the church that nobody likes to talk about. One for every year that I've been in ministry. And I'm going to put a little, a little kind of study. I didn't think much about it when I was doing it, but people have got this thing, and they're using it, uh, like for their small groups as a discussion starter. It's the only hardback book that I've that I've done. And 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 let me tell you, this is really a dual purpose book because if you take this and you share it with people. It'll get them irritated and offended. You know how easily Christians get offended. And somebody will get irritated. So this is perfect. If they get mad at you, you just take the book and hit them in the head. In Jesus' name. You just, if you smack somebody in church, you got to do it in Jesus' name. You got to try to make it sound spiritual. So who's, who's got a friend that needs to be smacked? You got get up here. Come on. Come on. 
Come on. Stop. Remember, just very carefully, you hold it right here. Okay. And if they get stupid, it's quick. It's stupid. Boom. Quick, quick headshot. You got it. Okay. All right. There's a bunch of other stuff out there at the table. Oh, I need to show you this. Um, these are made by a couple of our ladies that live in the garbage dump in the Philippines. What they do, they'll wait. The garbage truck comes in every day, and they'll wait and try to get magazines, different color magazines with glossy paper, and they'll cut them, and then they'll wet the strips, roll them up, and they'll make these center beads, and then they get these little plastic beads, put them together, and they sell them, and that's how they support their family. When I saw these, because I take 50 people with me to the Philippines every March, the first time I saw these, I thought, oh no, no, I need to take these back to the States. So they keep sending these to me. I take them out on the road with services on Sunday. So if if you could pray for the ladies, they're, they're really pretty cool. So stop by and check it out. It's whatever you want to give. It's no surprise. We send the money back over there to help them support their families. And last, give me a good close-up of this, Mr. Dan. These are pictures of some of the kids that you will be able to sponsor today. The, the only way we have been able to do what we do around the world is when regular folk decide, you know, we, we, can't, we can't go with him. If you ever come to New York, you can ride my bus that I drive. I got in a fist fight a couple of weeks ago. Um, so some of you are wondering what happened here. So I'm just telling you this. So be nice to me at the back table because I'm still a little edgy. So you all have been good so far. So don't mess it up at the back. It's a $33 a month commitment. You can be as involved in the life of the child as you choose to be. Most of you all know my story. My mom was alcoholic and she left me on a street corner when I was a little kid. She walked away, she didn't come back. And I sat on the street corner for three days until, until the ordinary Christian man stops. He's on his way to visit his own son dying of leukemia in the hospital. But he still stops, gets out of his car, walks across the street to where I'd been sitting, puts his hand on my shoulder and just says, are you okay? That's it. Now, 250,000 kids hear the gospel of Jesus every week. Why? Because in 1960, one ordinary Christian stopped. This is, see, that's, that's what makes this thing work, guys, all over the world. That's, that's the essence of why this church even exists. It's always about ordinary people that choose to do some pretty extraordinary stuff. And they don't even know it's extraordinary when they're doing it. He didn't know. He didn't know what I would do. He didn't know. She says, are you okay? And I used to stutter horribly when I was little. And I tried to tell him my mom was gone and I was just hungry. And immediately, immediately, he didn't have to go to a conference, didn't have to go to a seminar. Well, you know what I'm saying. Well, you know, I'm, now I'm trying to be nice here, but I kind of feel it coming on now. So 
I've said, I'm hungry. My mother's gone. He gets on the phone. Oh, he goes and gets me some food and water. He gets on the phone in five hours, five hours after this, what's the word we can call it, Pastor? A defining moment? I think, I, because you guys know, anybody could have picked me up off the street. It was 1960, man. That's a whole different time in American history. Anybody could have picked me up. The Christian was the one who stopped. He put something into motion. That's it. He put it in motion. It's not so much of what you accomplish in life. Look at all of you watching out there. Listen carefully. It's not what you accomplish. It's what you put into motion. That's what we're seeing here today. All of you can look in your life. Somebody put something into motion in your life. Somebody, and you ought to thank them. You ought to thank God for them and thank them for their obedience to the Holy Ghost. Five hours after this meeting on a street corner, he's loading me in a church van. He sent me to a Sunday school camp, a Pentecostal camp. I was raised Pentecostal. <laughs> I only admit that when it's convenient. But I, so first time I'm in church, right? I've never been in church in my life. First time I'm in church, I'm in a Pentecostal camp. Now, that doesn't mean anything to some of you young people. But for some of you older folks, you know what I just said. Now, if that's the first experience in church, that's about as traumatic as an experience can possibly be. I had no idea what was going on. Now, I'm sitting in the back, right? Way in the back. Back in the cheap seats. Way in the back. The guy that was preaching. And see, in those days, the preachers always used... Remember when the preachers would sit up on the platform? Yeah, like little ducks in a row. And I used to call them the holy men chairs. And and one of the one of the, the preacher was preaching said, If you want Jesus, come to the front. Now I'm twelve years old. I've never been to church and I'm looking wide eyed. If you want Jesus, come to the front. So I'm there's three old preachers sitting on the platform. So I'm thinking, one of them's Jesus. <laughs> the guy said if you want Jesus, come to the right. One of those old guys is Jesus. Now, I walk to the front. I'm kneeling at the altar. The altar's packed, man. Packed. Kids praying, asking Jesus to come into their life. Every kid that came to the altar had a counselor, you know, praying with them, leading them to the Lord. Every kid had a counselor except me. I'm the only one. Didn't have anybody praying with me. I didn't know how to pray. I've never prayed. I didn't have a point of reference. So I'm just sitting there. And I think the speaker must have noticed it. Because I heard him say in the mic, he said, just talk to Jesus. Listen to me. I remember exactly. That was a long time ago, folks. That was 1960. But to this day, I remember exactly what I said. Isn't it funny the things you remember? I prayed. I said, Lord, my mom doesn't want me. The church people don't want me. I said, but if you want me, here I am. And that night, right there at the front of that old camp, for the first time in my life, I felt like somebody loved me. And my life changed. It was put on a whole different trajectory. So what you are looking at up here today, don't let the cute suit fool you. Okay? 
One of the ladies this morning said I smelled nice. I hosed it down, man, with cologne. You ever get so smelly, you can't stand your own smell? as where I was today. Man, I just... <laughs> you know what you're looking at right here? You're looking at a little kid that nobody wanted. That's who you're looking at today. That's exactly who you're looking at. But because one ordinary Christian stopped. His own kid was dying, but he still stopped. He had every reason, not even an excuse, a legitimate reason to keep on going like everybody else, but he stopped. And, and here we are. When you see these pictures on the table, these aren't stock National Geographic pictures. These are pictures of the kids where our team members live. They don't go to the mission field for a month and then come back to the U.S. They all live there. Just like I've lived in Brooklyn for 40, our team's in Kenya, in Philippines, in India, in Haiti. We just started Sunday school in Nepal during the COVID when everybody said, you can't do anything. We started Metro Sunday School outside of Kathmandu in Nepal. Come on, folks. I can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. You better give him praise. In the middle of it all, he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, of peace, of sound mind. He's given us everything that we need to keep on going. And here we are. Here we are. Come on, Jesus. Here we are. Still plowing. Still plowing. That's what today is. I'm going to be out there for as long as I need to be. And we're going to go eat lunch somewhere. Because that's what preachers do. We preach and then we go eat. Uh, the donuts will be wore off by then. So I will be ready for some good lunch. And... Uh, Hey, have you ever wondered, does something like this actually work? Because I know, guys, I've seen it on TV, and you look, it's, and you give some of that stuff the dog look. And go, eh, that doesn't jive. That doesn't look like that. Like that's going to work. Give, give me the first picture. Gals, if you will, please. I think we've got a picture. Wendy, I think Wendy's back there. Yeah. Uh, found this little gal in Ethiopia. Um, I went to one of the orphanages there that we had started years back. But I went here, and one of the staff members said, Pastor Bill, we heard there's a girl chained to a tree out in the bush. So I said, has anybody gone to look? And of course, nobody had. I said, give me the keys to the Jeep. So we jump in the Jeep with a couple of staff, driving out in the bush for an hour. We find her. Her name's Rosie. I, she was uh, it's like bicycle chain. They had her feet and her hands chained to this tree. The, the family wanted a boy. They got a girl, kept her for a while, and then decided they didn't want her anymore. And so uh, they just took her out to the bush. They knew they'd starve her out. She'd die. And then the animals. Unfortunately, this happens way too much, way more than it should. Uh, so I cut her loose, picked her up, put her in the Jeep, got her back to the orphanage. I took this picture. And I was going back to L.A. in a couple of days to do a, a pastor's conference. So I thought, i got to get this kid sponsored. So I took that picture and I put it in one of the folders, like you guys will see out there. So I preach and I go to the back table and a mom and her little daughter runs back, almost ran into the table. She said, Pastor Bill, we want to sponsor Rosie. I said, ma'am, 
said, I don't even know if this little girl is, is going to be alive in a week. I don't. Um, she was in pretty bad shape. And you know, when a kid's starving to death, you know, the body is eating itself. That's the process. She said, we want to be the ones to try to save her life. And, and as I was talking to her, she was talking to me, she kept looking down at her own daughter. You know what she was thinking. You, you get it. Yeah. She kept looking at her own kid. She was a great, great sponsor. She got boxes of uh, protein, sent it over there. And I hadn't, I hadn't heard much. There was no Wi-Fi over there, so the, the communication was pretty weak. But I was going to be kind of close uh, there. It was about six months later, and I thought, I'm going to go by and see how Rosie's doing, because I hadn't heard. So I had this whole Hertz beat-up rental truck. So I, I pull up to the orphanage, get out, and after six months, give me that next picture, Wendy, if you will, please. Come on, give God a praise. Come on. Six months, folks. Six months. Now you say, how is that possible? <laughs> how much time you got, Bubba? And Bubbettes? How much time you got? I can talk this stuff with you all day, guys. I talk it all day. This is what happens when one ordinary Christian decides, hey, I can't do everything, but I can do something. I can do something. And this is the end result, guys. So I'm going to hang around as long as I need to. Pastor, again, thank you for letting me share this stuff. It's, uh, it's important stuff, and uh, we appreciate it. You can take that down, Wendy. I appreciate you. Thank you. I want you to uh, get your Bibles out. Get your Bibles out quickly. Used to be in the old days, people actually took out a Bible. Now they take out their phone, or they actually look, they're trying to make you look like they're looking at a Bible. I, I don't know which one it is. But if you got a Bible, or if you got your dopey little phone, take it out. Um, I've been on kind of this run. Here I started, started, a, was, I don't even know, a week and a half ago. I was in Tennessee, and then I started making my way down. I got to, uh, we were joking, this little, this, can I say redneck here? Is, my, is, that, is anybody going to cancel me? Is that okay? All right. Don't cancel me, folks. Okay. Me and Dr. Zeus, we're like this. Okay? Just leave us alone. All right? We're good. So I got this little town called Coleman, Alabama. I mean, it's like, I don't even know where it is. Uh, and then from there, went over to Mobile, uh, stopped by in Pensacola here, I guess, two days ago to uh, see some of our sponsors that sponsored some of the kids. And... It was kind of one of those, maybe it's just because it's a, the pandemic thing, uh, and I, that might have been part of it, but uh, I, there was that one, it wasn't Coleman, it must have been back at, uh, in Tennessee. I was at the back table, and a younger, younger lady, uh, I'm going to say, probably maybe 30, maybe early 30s. And she was, she was crying. And I said, ma'am, can I help you? Can I pray for you? And so she went through the story quickly. 
Her husband had died of COVID. Um, we chatted a bit. I shared with her a little of my experience with it. And, and, but, but, but here's what she said. Don't miss this. She said, I feel like I'm in the middle of a mess that I will never be able to get out of. I'm going to say it again. She said, I felt like I was in the middle of this mess. And I, I don't think I'm going to get out of it. I don't know what to do. And I talked with her a little bit. I think I helped her. Hope I did. Prayed with her. But when she said that, I thought, how many times have I heard almost that same statement? Maybe some of you have felt that same. You feel like you're in the middle of something, a middle of a situation, middle of a circumstance. A lot of people have said that this past year. I'm in the middle of this. I'm in the middle of this virus. I don't know what to do. A lot of people lost their job. It's, you know, I'm not going to re-go through all that stuff because we've all lived it in one form or fashion. We've all lived with it. She said, I feel like I'm in the middle of something, middle of a mess, and I can't get out of it. And I jotted some things down, and I want to I throw them out to you guys today. Because after hearing for this past year about the middle, the middle, middle of a situation, middle of the disease, middle of a lost job, middle of financial, middle of, uh, and it's been ongoing. I think when this gal said it this past week, it was like, it just rang again, like a bell in my head. The middle. Hmm. Open up to the book of Matthew, chapter number 26. Matthew chapter 26. I won't be in front of you long today. Uh, usually when a preacher says that, that means he's lying. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to, uh, to get you out and let you, let you go on. Because I want to be able to meet you at the back. But when you, I have a PhD from the University of Wales. That was the biggest waste of time and money that I've ever done in my life. Uh, it's a little depressing sometimes. It took me four years to get that stupid degree. Um, I don't, you know, kind of, because I teach uh, Old Testament in some universities in Europe. So I thought, okay, if I get the PhD, then they'll really think I know what I'm talking about because it's all in those three, three letters. And then, and then, okay, I just get the PhD. So I'm thinking, okay, now I'm cool. I'm the man. I'm, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. Mm -hmm. So I'm in a truck stop in Amarillo, filling up the rent-a-car, okay, getting ready to drop it off. And this guy comes running across the parking lot. Is there a doctor here? Looking back at it now, I should have asked, what kind of doctor? But again, I'm Superman, so I'm good. I said, I'm a doctor. He said, thank God, hurry. So we run over to his car. His wife is in the back seat of the car getting ready to have a baby. Oh, no, it gets better. 
Somebody should have videoed this. Because I looked down in there and I thought, oh man, I, I, the PhD never trained me for any of this. And I mean, I see the head of the baby. I mean, it's showtime. There ain't no, ain't no thinking about it. It's not reading a Joyce Myers book. It's not, I got, this is it. This is it. And so I thought, okay. So I remember, I roll up my sleeves. I don't know what I was thinking, but I roll up my sleeves. <laughs> Did you ever think you could do something? And then at the last minute, you realized, no, I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, not a bit. The, the, the woman's screaming. The husband's looking at me. Yes, I'm a doctor. Oh my God. And I look at then I thought, wait a minute. I've seen American movies. How hard can this be? It doesn't look that hard on TV. And I remembered whenever you watch like in a movie or, or TV, it's like the doctor's yelling at the pregnant chick, push, breathe. But that's the formula. I can do that. How hard can that be? So I'm yelling at this one, push, breathe, push, breathe. And the husband, I'm going, God, let something good happen here, please. Well, the baby, we get the baby out, okay? So I run in the gas station, get a little pair of those, uh, like those little toy scissors they have. So I run out, I cut the cord, wasn't exactly sure which what I was doing here, but I thought, let's go with a knot. A knot makes sense. I can do that. We tie the thing up. <laughs> so I hear the ambulance coming. Praise God. All right. I'm almost out of here. I'm good. The hus I never told the husband that I wasn't a real doctor. To this day, you know he tells that story? That kid will grow up. <laughs> so I thought... I got the PhD, now I'm actually working on an MD. Uh, because I thought, man, inevitably, is there any pregnant women here today? Oh no, okay, just, how far along are you? Oh Lord. Okay, <laughs> just, I may, have, I may need some extra help today. I just please don't, just hold off. Give, give me another 20 minutes and I'm good. And I'll get out of here. But I'm working on the, on the MD now because we deal with kids all over the world and people, older folks. And this whole thing of the middle. You want to talk about the middle? I was in the middle of a situation that I had no idea what I was doing, how it was going to come out, what to think. I was praying, screaming at the woman. I was shaking. You ever been so scared? And I'm not scared. I've lived in Brooklyn for 40 years. Come on. I've witnessed 23 homicides since I've lived there. I've been through all that stuff. So nothing kind of really throws me off. But have you ever been so scared that you start shaking and you feel your leg start to shake? And I'm trying not to let the husband see that my hands are shaking and my legs are shaking. Anyways, in this 26th chapter, yeah, Jesus is in the middle. Now listen to me. Don't miss it. See, in this particular chronological moment in Jesus's life throws off many theologians. They cannot justify the attributes of Christ 
What do I mean? He was omnipotent, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. You with me? So, if he is all these things, which he is, the theologians cannot justify how that Jesus was freaking out in the garden. Come on. How is it if he is omnipotent, all-powerful, if he is omnipresent everywhere, omniscient, all-knowing, if he knew how his story was going to end, which he did because he is omniscient, so he knows how it's going to end, then why, why is he stressed out in the garden? Hmm. They cannot justify the circumstances here. Because see, when Jesus started his ministry over by Gilgal, he was fine. Remember when the devil came and tempted him? Sure, he was cool. Jesus was cool. Didn't bother him. Didn't face him. At the beginning of his ministry, yeah, what's up? He was fine. At the end, while he was on the cross, his father forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He was fine. Okay, now watch this. See if this makes sense to you guys. Because I'm, I'm going somewhere with this today. So you need to kind of walk with me. So in Gilgal, at the beginning, he's fine. At Golgotha, at the end, that would have been the time when you would have thought he wasn't doing well. But it was not the case. But when he was here in this 26th chapter, in Gethsemane, why? Gilgal, he's good. Golgotha, good. But when he was in the middle of his ministry, when he was in the middle, he was in a set of circumstances. And he was just like me and you. See, that's why he's touched by the very feelings of your infirmity. Why? Because he's already been there. I said he's already been there. He, don't talk to Jesus about the middle. And he doesn't know how you feel. Hogwash. He knows exactly what you've gone through this past year. He knows exactly what you deal with. He knows what you're dealing with before you even know it. Let's talk about the middle, shall we? If there was a working title for this message, it would have to be the miracle was in the middle. My God. The miracle was in the middle. Was it a miracle when he went head to head with the devil? Yeah, it kind of was. Smith Wigglesworth, old preacher, he, he's asleep in his house and uh, wakes up in the middle of the night. He feels a presence and it's, it's a demon at the edge of his bed. Wigglesworth looks at him and goes, oh, it's just you. And he goes back to bed. Now, if that was some of you and a demon was in your room, some of you would, I was going to say wet your pants, but probably couldn't say that on Sunday. So we're just going to slide by that. Wigglesworth looks at him and says, that's nah, just you, just you. In the middle, there seems to be a set of circumstances that all of us, I don't care who you are, how spiritual you are or how spiritual you think you are. Because there's always some folk that think they're more spiritual than they really are. Not none of you here, but just, you know, 
down at the Baptist church. You know how they are. The miracle was right in the middle. Watch this. I'm going to walk you through this real quick, and then I'll get out of here. But this, this to me is captivating. And I was reminded of this when I talked to the scale the other day. She said, I'm in the middle of a mess, and I can't get out of it. I don't feel like there's any way out. Hmm. All right. Look at, uh, flip over to the 40th verse in this 26th chapter. Because Jesus is now face to face with the process that precedes the promise. I'm going to say it again. Some of you are taking notes, and that's wise. Face to face with the process. Life is a process. For some of you younger folks, you don't understand that because you don't understand anything. I love you. But don't, don't make me smack you in the head back there at the back table. So I'm going to try to teach you a little something. It is a process, my friend. You know, 18 years old. I said, this is why I don't counsel anymore. I used to do a lot of counseling. I don't anymore. You know what my counseling is now? Stop doing it. It's stupid. Live right. You know, that's my counseling. Because <laughs> it's not rocket science, folks. And you want to just... Well, rocket science, stop being stupid, straighten up, do what the Bible says. Shut up, go. Give me a donut, go do something. None of this is difficult. <laughs> 18 years old. I, I, I can't, I don't even do wedding ceremonies. I used to, you know, do the wedding ceremony. I can't because I can't do it with a straight face. I, I'm serious, I don't do them anymore. You're standing up here with two people, 20 years old, dumb as rocks. And you know it. They don't, but you do. You know, for better or for worse. I want somebody from the crowd to say, how much worse? <laughs> Nobody says it. How much worse? How much? How much worse? I know. How much? For better or for How much worse? For richer or for poorer? How much poorer? Are we talking about late with our school bill or homeless under a bridge? Nobody asks those questions except me. In sickness and in health. Are we talking physical? Are we talking mental? I don't know. Nobody asks the question. I want to, but then I look like the jerk. So I just don't do the ceremonies anymore. It's better off for everybody. Jesus is in the middle of a mess. He's stretched. He's stressed. Now look at this. Look at this. Look at verse 40. And he comes unto the disciples and finds them asleep. You know, the, he, gets, he wants, what's, what's the word, pastor? Help me with this. Okay. He comes to the garden. He's, he wants to hear from God. He's not hearing from God. He's trying. He brings his friends. Okay. So he's thinking, some of you think, oh, if I could just get, if I could just get people praying for me. Now that's not a bad thing, so don't get me wrong here. <laughs> but do you really think that somebody just somewhere getting donuts? I got donuts on the mind today. I don't know why, it's just, I'm overwhelmed with donuts today. You just think somebody is going to just... It's going to all of a sudden just take you out of your... 
Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to have people praying for you. It's nice to have prayer partners. I get it. I have probably, I don't even know how many people pray for me all the time. And I, I'm grateful. But mm -hmm. what happens when you call your prayer partner? You ever call somebody to get them to pray for you? So if they don't answer the phone or they're busy, what 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 happens? Hmm. Things that make you go exactly. Yeah. He's stretched out. He's waiting to hear from God. He's not hearing from God. He's trying to get his friends, the disciples, to pray. And, and look at verse 40. He comes to the disciples. He finds them asleep. Now, maybe this is just my overtly human side. But if I'm in the middle of a mess and I drug all of you boneheads out here to the garden, I expect a little something, pray for me. And they're asleep. I was, I preached at ORU. This is a long time ago. I used to go every, every year when Oral was, was still there. <laughs> and I don't know what was wrong with me. I was mad. It doesn't take much to get me mad anymore. I think it's part of getting old. You know, I think, I'm like, I like, I, it's, it's great when you're old because I am that thing you hear on the news. I'm the old cranky man. And, but you can get away with it when you're old. <laughs> so I'm finally at a time when I can just be cranky and just, and I don't care because I don't have to care. So he's, he's with the disciples. And I, I, I'm, I'm at ORU. I finished that story. So I'm at ORU. There's like 5,000 kids there. And this one kid, he's out. You know, like most Christians, they put their head like this so it looks like they're praying. So at least they have enough sense to try to fake it. This kid wasn't even faking it. He's out. His head's back. You could hear him. You could hear him. I wasn't having it. I was mad at something. And I just walked off the, I walked, he was about halfway back, and I hit him hard in the back of the head. Just, boom! <laughs> they told me, so they still tell that story at ORU, they told me that nobody's ever gone to sleep in chapel again. So if that was the case, then it was worth me smacking the kid in Jesus' name. So the guys are asleep. These guys are asleep. You could not watch with me one hour. You, you know the story. So you're thinking when you get busted for sleeping in front of Jesus, when you're supposed to be praying once, you would think that would be enough. Well, apparently it wasn't. Look at verse 42. He goes away again the second time, praying, saying, Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And then verse 43, they're asleep again. Again. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever contemplated. Sometimes I'll just use big words to justify the PhD. It just makes me feel better. So I don't really know what they mean, but I heard them, so I use them. And then I know you probably don't either, but it just sounds good. So have you ever contemplated? <laughs> Stay with me. Don't get ahead of me. <sighs> have you ever contemplated? That boy, if I was there, I wouldn't went to sleep. 
I was there, mm -hmm. kind of like Peter and chopped the guy's ear off. If I was there, I'd have took, really? Do you really think that's how that would have played? Or are you just kidding yourself? I don't know. Because I think about it a lot. I mean, I've been enough. I got my throat cut last year in Yemen. We were trying to make a run with some medicine and food. Long story. And just so you know, that little clock, Danny, in front of you, nobody changed it today. So I almost got excited because, oh, man, it's, it's I got plenty of time. No, I don't. Yeah, I didn't change the stupid clock. Do not do that when I'm speaking. <laughs> Fortunately, I remembered it was time change. Hey. What do you think you would do? Put in a set of circumstances. They've seen the miracles. Have you ever seen a real miracle in front of you? If you have not, I'm not talking about on TV. I'm not talking about reading in the book. I'm talking about first person witnessing the miraculous. If you have not, I pray before you die, you will have the privilege of watching the miraculous. I got hit with a brick here years ago. Back in Brooklyn, guy came up behind me, hit me with a big brick, broke my cheekbone, broke out three of these teeth. I just got them paid off. They look good though, right? Just finally got them paid off. But I ended up with a blood clot behind this eye, blind in this eye for three months. I'm not a quitter. For those of you that know me, I'm, I'm not a quitter. My commitment has always been stronger than my emotions. Let me say that again, because some of you, you ought to be writing that down. You need to memorize that. Your commitment has got to be stronger than your emotion. Church folk live on emotions. I don't feel like it. Adam, shut up. Come on. Really? You don't feel like it? If I didn't do every, anything every time I didn't feel like doing it, folks, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. Some of you wouldn't either. <laughs> mm -hmm. Commitment supersedes the emotions, the feelings. It's got to. But when I was blind in the side, because I'm still traveling, driving the bus, out preaching, <laughs> got a patch on my eye, look like a stupid pirate. You <sighs> Going out, trying to get the kids sponsored, doing all the stuff I do every week. I was wore out. You ever just felt like you wore out? Yeah. If you haven't, it means you're not old enough. Because if you live long enough, you're going to understand exactly what I'm telling you right now. If you live long enough, some of the young people, eh, you know, biggest drama they have in their life is they lose their phone charger. Yeah, charge this, okay? And so now, so now, blind on the side, I'm done. I'm done. I'm ashamed to say it, but I'll tell you, because it may bless somebody. I had the ticket, folks. I had the plane ticket. I'm leaving JFK Monday morning. I'm out, quitting the ministry, gone. It's not, it's not like getting out on 10 here and just driving to Jacksonville. I'm done. I'm done. Finished. Sunday night, I couldn't sleep. I knew my whole life getting ready to change. I was tired mentally, emotionally, drained, fighting it, fighting it, 
I set the alarm for 6 a.m. Monday morning. Couldn't sleep. I remember I got, I got up 3 a.m., still couldn't sleep. I guess I drifted off a little bit after 3. So the alarm goes off at 6, right? Watch this. Alarm goes off at 6. I reach over. I turn off the alarm. I turn on the light, and then I saw it. My pillow was covered with blood, and I could see fine out of both eyes. Somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., God came. You better give him praise. You better give him praise right there. Somewhere between 3 and 6, God came. The reason why most people, my God, never see their miracle is because they don't stick around long enough. Sometimes it comes down to the last minute. But if you stay, I know whom I have believed. And I'm still persuaded. He is still able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You hang in there. You fight it. You stay. Stay. You know what I'm saying. Jesus is fighting it. He's just that's where his humanity came in conflict with his divinity. The uniqueness of Jesus. When you mix those two. Son of God. But you know that. They go to sleep again. Hmm. Now look at verse 44. We've got to hurry. Look at 44. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time. Look at this B part. Look at the B part of the 44th verse. Saying the same words. So I ask you. God help us. Have you ever been so stressed out? And have you ever prayed so much about a situation? That then after a while, you just keep praying the same prayer. Over and over and over. Because you have run out of words. And you don't know what to say. And you don't know how to pray. Been there yet? You will someday. Someday. Have you ever cried so much when you're in that situation? Till you don't have any more tears? Someday. You're empty. He's praying the same thing. Praying the same words, praying the same prayer. He's not hearing from God. He's not hearing from his prayer partners that he took along to do that. But here's the hook. Let's see if this makes sense to you guys. There's been a lot of discussion about this conflict of the divinity versus the humanity. And, and fig, can't figuring out why Jesus was so stressed out here. But here it is. Here it is. Something happened between verse 44 and 45. Don't miss this, folks, in Jesus' name. Please, please. All of you watching at home, please don't miss this. This is the life and death right here. Please. Something happened. It doesn't say. It doesn't go into detail here. But I'm 72 years old. I've been through just enough in my life. Where I can talk to you. Not like a 20 year old. 
Not like a kid that just graduated from Bible school, but from someone that understands the garden. A bit. A little bit. Something happened right here. He's, verse 44, he left and went away, prayed the third time, saying the same words. But then, in verse 45, look what happens. And then he comes to his disciples and says to them, let's go to sleep. What happened? What just happened right here? I'll tell you exactly what happened. And Jesus came to that place that he didn't need what he thought he needed. He didn't need who he thought he needed, but he realized that God's grace was sufficient for him. God's grace was sufficient for him. Turn me down just a notch. Fellas, bring it down just here. Something happened right there. Go to sleep. I got it. You didn't in the last verse. But there comes a point. Look at me. There comes that point. When you're in the middle of something. And you think, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah, I know. I had the plane ticket. Yeah. You want to talk about? You want to talk about garden experiences? But see, you could probably come up here and take this microphone, and if you have any years on you at all, and maybe, maybe anybody could come up here and share about your garden experience, huh? The gal came up to me. She said, I'm in the middle of a mess. Not at the beginning, not at the end. And Gilgal, he was fine. At Golgotha, he was fine. But in Gethsemane, in the middle, Right in the middle. It wasn't happening. So, he goes back. Sleep on. So I'll tell you this, and then we're done. I thought I get this now. It makes sense. But, and maybe because it's close to Easter, maybe this is an appropriate way to end this. So I will hear. When Jesus is resurrected and Mary sees him it's over in John 20 and she sees him in his resurrected body but she doesn't recognize him please don't miss this she doesn't recognize him and it's actually in John 20 15 she said I thought you were the gardener. Why did she think he was the gardener? Oh my God. I'll tell you exactly why. Because when you spend just enough time in the garden and you're not hearing from anybody and you don't think you're going to make it and you're just wore out. Mentally, you wore out. Physically, you wore out. And maybe it's at that time you haven't heard from God or your prayer partners. 
But then you finally come to that place saying, God, all I need is you. All I need is your presence. All I need is to touch from you. Do you understand your grace? Mary looks at him and she goes, she says, she supposed he was the gardener. The word supposed in the Greek, it's the Greek word kiporos, which means that she looked and there was something about him that, that had the characteristics of someone who had been in the garden in a place for a long time. He hadn't been, but it just looked like he did. Something happened in the middle. Something happened in the middle. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. I got it. I got it. The gardener. So for those of you today, rough year last year, huh? I get it? Yeah, I do. And only God knows the situations that are sitting in the house today. I wouldn't even pretend to say I know everybody's situation. But I know this. I know this. For every situation, for every bit of pain, for every bit of doubt that you've ever had, wonder, am I going to make it? I came here today to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. When you realize that God's grace is sufficient for you, then it's like, yeah, okay. Okay. The gardener. I thought you were the gardener. I guess he'd been in the garden just long enough. So when you've been in the garden, just long enough. And then you can take those things and then you can help someone else. And you can bring life to someone else. Yeah. That's what I try to do every week. Why do you think I still drive the bus? <laughs> yeah. People wonder, because see, in New York, if... Uh, I can only drive the bus till I'm 75. Then you can't get a bus driver's license. So somebody asked me at that last meeting, they said, what are you gonna do when you turn 75? I said, well, then I guess I'll just drive the bus without a license. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time, believe me. Why, why? Because I'll always drive the bus. Because every week when I pick those kids up, you know who I'm really picking up, don't you? I'm picking up one more time. I understand the garden and I want to help others. Father, I love you and I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord, at the beginning. At the end, but in the middle, in the middle, yeah, I've been in the middle. A bunch of my friends here today have too. But I thank you, Lord, because even for us, your grace is still sufficient for us. Always has been, 
always will be. Thank you for the cross. I thank you for your blood. I thank you, Lord. I thank you that I woke up today. us Lord speak to us as we move towards Easter as we celebrate the resurrection as we're aware of your grace and the fact that you still are who you said you are oh the blood of Jesus washes me oh the blood of Jesus shed for me and what a sacrifice that saved my life yes the blood it is my victory If you're in that place today in the middle, God wants to touch you right where you sit. So if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to slip up your hand. I'm going to pray for you right now. You're in the middle. You need to find that grace that's sufficient all across this auditorium. God's going to touch you. He's going to strengthen you. Most of all, he's going to give you the grace to endure and to finish your race. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know every circumstance, every situation. You know what each individual, individual with their hand raised is dealing with today. You know the circumstances. You know the pain that they've endured. You know the doubt, the questions, the uncertainty that has filled their mind as they're in the middle. Right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, come with grace, come with mercy, come with strength, come with direction and guidance. Be their counselor, be their helper, be their friend, and minister life to them today. In the name that's above every name, I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ushers, would you come this morning, please? We're going to receive a love offering for Bill's ministry. Before service, he told me there's a very special need. He needs about $4,000 to complete this need. There's a little girl in the Philippines, eight years old, who because Sophia, her name is Sophia, who because she had an appendectomy that went wrong, part of her intestines are outside of her body. Bill's been raising the money, trying to get her healthy enough, strengthened enough to undergo another surgery or fix that. And they're about $4,000 short of having enough money to make that happen and to put Sophia back together so she can have a normal childhood. So as you're given this morning, every dime that you're giving is going to go to that need and we're going to touch Sophia's life today. I know some of you can give a lot, some of you can give a little. It's all about obeying the Spirit of God. If he tells you to give five dollars, give five dollars. If he tells you to give five thousand, give five thousand.
Just obey the Spirit of God. Do what God's asking you to do today. And let's touch a life and change a little girl's future. Can we do that? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for each and every person in the room and those online. We pray that you'd bless them now, speak to them now, guide them, direct them in their giving, and let it be ordered by God in Jesus' name. If you're online, you can go to the Give Now button. You'll find a tab under the giving that says Bill Wilson, Metro World Child Ministries. You can give to that. If you're in the house, you can make your checks to ANC, All Nations Church. You can use the offering envelope in the seat back in front of you. Also, if you need to use a credit or a debit card. God bless you as you give. Come on, Tom, just sing that out. That's a beautiful chorus. Sing it out for us this morning. with me today please may the blood of Jesus cover you may you go in his grace and his mercy may you discover each and every day his grace is sufficient for you may God bless you and keep you we'll see you back here Wednesday night 7 o'clock God bless you don't forget prayer tomorrow night at 7 here as well everybody needs to be a part of that prayer meeting tomorrow night 7 to 8 o'clock God bless you you made it to the end of the message and now what is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.